that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Hello, I'm David Freeman Webb. Is that really in the Bible? The word apostasy means a conscious abandonment of allegiance or duty. In other words, the abandonment of our duty toward authority or our duty toward God is actually what the word apostasy means. Now, very early in the history of the church, the church made the decision to abandon its duty or allegiance toward God, or to abandon its duty towards authority. And so what I want to talk about with this series is the apostate church. And, you know, it's going to be a number of series, so be sure and watch each one because I'm going to touch on different subjects as we go along and discuss this uh, apostasy that has occurred in the church, the churches that dot our land. Now, I think you're familiar with the fact that the churches that dot our land today do not remotely resemble the church that Jesus built. I mean, if you could go somehow go back in time and actually see or walk in the days that Jesus walked, you would be amazed. You would say, well, this, I mean, I don't even see the resemblance of what is going on today. For example, Jesus Christ was a Jew. He kept the seventh-day Sabbath. Jesus never went to church on a Sunday on the first work day of the week. Jesus never celebrated a Christmas or an Easter or Halloween celebration or April Fool's Day or any of those other days. He never celebrated. He kept the annual holy days, found the Feast of Jehovah, that's what they're referred to in the Bible. These are the Feast of Jehovah. He kept the annual feast days. So what we've got to understand is that the churches today do not remotely resemble the church that Jesus Christ built. Now, why is that? Shouldn't that be of some concern to people? That as we look around at the churches that dot our land, and then we look at the original church, we look at the Bible, the church that Jesus built, and we realize, man, something is missing here. Something, there, there's not even a connection here. Jesus did not teach that people go to heaven when they die. In fact, Jesus said, no man has ascended to heaven. Jesus preached the resurrection from the dead. So, I mean, you know, Jesus taught, think not that I've come to destroy the law. Don't even let it enter your pea brain mind that I have come to destroy the law. Guess what everybody thinks? Guess what most religious people think? That he came to destroy the law? Jesus said, no man has ascended to heaven. 
guess where everybody thinks you go when you die? Most religious people? Yeah, heaven. Jesus said he was Lord of the Sabbath day. Guess what day nearly every Christian thinks he's Lord of? Yeah, you guessed it, Sunday, the first work day of the week. Now, I want you to understand something. You were born into a ready-made world of religion. You didn't make this stuff up. You didn't, I mean, you were born in it. You had no control over it. You didn't make it up. You didn't say, hey, I think it would be really cool if we worship for one hour on the first work day of the week, then fly, light out a church and light up a cigarette and go back to work and do our own things and we're touch bases with the Lord. You didn't make that up. No, no, your world of churchianity made that up for you. You did not make it up. You didn't make this stuff. You didn't say, hey, I think, uh, you know, I think we ought to worship Jesus' birthday like this. We ought to, let's see, swap gifts and uh, uh, put a tree up and deck it out with gold and silver and, and fasten it to the floor so it doesn't move, you know. And, uh, you know, we ought to do it. And we ought to, you know, we'll say it's all about Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's good. We'll say it's Christmas or Christmas or Jesus was born on this day. You didn't make this stuff up. You were born into a world of ready-made religion. And one of the things that it dawned on me is that it's not an issue of becoming an apostate church. That's really not the issue because you can't fall away unless you first stood on your two feet. Now, it's not an issue of becoming an apostate church. The real issue is being born into an apostate church. Let me tell you something. It's harder to unlearn you know, when it comes to religious deception, it's harder to unlearn than it is to learn something, you know, just new right off the bat. Once you have learned, so once you have been programmed, once you have been spoon-fed churchianity, once you come into the world and a hole is drilled in your head and someone pops a funnel in there and they pour in churchianity, it will be much harder to unlearn that, unlearn that stuff. Are you with me on that? It's going to be much harder to unlearn that. So, the apostate church, apostasy, a conscious abandonment of allegiance or duty toward God. Next time, I'll talk about why Christianity has not worked. But I want to begin with a question that most religious people simply will not ask themselves. And the question is this, why has Christianity not worked? Now I'm not saying that it will not work. Don't, don't get ahead of me here. I'm saying true Christianity will work. It's just that few people have ever tried true Christianity. So don't, 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 think, don't, don't get ahead of me and say, oh, he's saying Christianity is no good. No, I'm saying true Christianity could work. It's just that few people have ever tried real, true Christianity. And what is that? Well, it's unconditional surrender to a higher authority. Get that? Unconditional surrender to a higher authority. That's God. That's what true Christianity is. And few people, few people that call themselves Christian fall into that category. I can guarantee you that. Unconditional surrender. Okay. So when we ask the question, okay, well, why has religion not worked? 
Do we see a nation getting closer to God? Do we see a nation that is just, just coming more godly every day? No, no, you see the exact opposite of that. So when I ask the question, well, why has religion not worked? Is it because we're outnumbered? Is it because Christians are outnumbered? Well, I read a statistic that said 86% of Americans claim to profess some type of commitment, relationship with God, 86%. So it's not because we're outnumbered. And they say they're, 86% say they, they, they confess some type, type of commitment to God. I mean, they can't be lying, could they? <laughs> well, let me tell you something. We write on our dollar bills, in God we trust. Do you believe that? <laughs> You're a sucker if you do. Uh, you know, we, the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, one nation under God. Are we one nation under God? Listen to me. We, we this is what we are. We are a Christian professing nation. Lips. Lips. Lip service. We say we're Christian. Well, anybody can say that. The, the President of the United States says he's a Christian. Do you believe him? I don't. 86% of Americans say they've got some kind of commitment to God. Do you believe that? I don't. Never have believed it. So we're a, we're a Christian professing nation. But the point I'm trying to make with you is, is you know, I'm asking the question, why is religion not work? If it's not because we're outnumbered, 86%. Make some type of a commitment to God. You know, would a Christian nation have as its hallmark sin adultery? I mean, you've got, you got to understand that. America's hallmark sin is adultery. It is so common that it's just no one even thinks about it. No one thinks about it. It's a big deal if someone is shacked up in church. They just don't care. It's, it's America... Adultery is the hallmark sin of America. Would a Christian nation not understand what defines a marriage, for pity's sake? Is that your idea of a Christian nation, that we don't even know what defines a marriage? We don't have the brain cells to figure that one out. Would a Christian nation murder 3,000 of its unborn every single day in America? Would a Christian nation be one of the biggest exporters of pornography? Right behind China, I believe. As far as DVD movies, X-rated movies, we're, we're good at making porn. Isn't that something? You think God's going to bless us for that? <laughs> Would a Christian nation have... Ch Listen, child pornography is the fastest growing form, growing form of pornography on the Internet. Is that your idea of a Christian nation? 86% confess some type of commitment to, to God? No, I mean, this is insanity. We say we're a Christian nation. If 86% of Americans profess, profess some kind of commitment to God, then why has religion not worked? Well, the answer is apostasy. A conscious abandonment of allegiance or duty to God. A conscious abandonment of allegiance or duty to God. That's why religion has not worked.
Now next time I'll talk about three dynamics to apostasy. What it takes to build, you know, this type of apostate church when I come back. Okay, three dynamics to apostasy, the abandonment of allegiance or duty to God. I'm going to break it down. I'm going to sort of go into like a psychological line of reasoning here to how this dynamics falls out. You don't just fall into this overnight. This takes, this is a, um, building the apostate church takes time. It, it occurred over many, many hundreds of years. But there's three dynamics to it. Number one is rebellion. Two is confusion. Three is pretense or a form of godliness. This is the dynamics to apostasy. Rebellion, confusion, and a pretense or a form of godliness. Alright, let's deal with the first one, rebellion. Romans 8 and verse 7 says this. It says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Now, what you got to understand about, you know, this abandonment toward our, our duty toward God is that there is a natural inclination on the inside to do this because of the carnal mind. What is the carnal mind? The carnal mind is simply the mind that we are all born with. It just means fleshly, natural mind. And that natural mind that we all come into the world with, the Bible describes it as, it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Well, if, you, if it can't be, then it seems that we're in a pickle, is it not? Well, yes, it is. The only way you can change this carnal mind is by receiving the Holy Spirit of God. It's called conversion. And once you, one of the things that the Spirit of God does is it begins to write, God begins to write His laws upon our minds and our hearts. This is really what the New Covenant is all about. The Old Covenant was these laws had been written upon tables of stone or a stony heart. It didn't do, do as much good, by the way. But the New Covenant, God is going to write His laws upon our hearts and minds. In other words, it's a spiritual aspect of the law. In fact, Jesus lifts the law from the letter of the law to the spirit of the law. You know, Jesus said, you know, you've heard it said of old times, don't commit adultery. Well, a lot of people he were talking to back then could have honestly said, I've never committed adultery. I never cheated on my wife. They could honestly say that. They kept the letter of the law, okay? That's why they thought they were righteous, because they were keeping the letter of the law. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. He says, but I say, if you look at a woman in lust, you're guilty of committing adultery. He, he lifts the law to the spirit of the law, what goes on right here between the ears, okay? So I'm telling you, the carnal mind is not subject, and I should say, I should emphasize, it's really not subject to the spirit of the law, what goes on between the ears. There's a lot of good, I should say, well, <laughs> good carnal people who don't steal, don't cheat, don't commit adultery. But what goes on between the ears is something else. They have anger, they have hatred, they, they look at pornography or whatever, they lust, they do, you know. So the spirit of the law is what we're talking about here. 
Okay, but the natural way we come into the world is we're not subject to the law of God. You can't, you know, that, that's just you. That's just me. That's the natural way we come into, we all come into the world with a carnal mind. Now consider this. If you have a man who goes to seminary school who, isn't, who is carnal minded, in other words, they resent and reject the law of God. They're not subject to the law of God. They have a natural mind, okay? And they're trying to teach you the role of the law. Now, how do you think that's going to turn out? You got a man that goes to seminary school. Now, now I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, wait a minute. A person that goes to seminary school, he's got to be converted, right? He's got to have the Spirit of God, right? No. No, no, no. Look, I, I know of guys that have thought about going to seminary school. I mean, it's a lucrative job preaching. I mean, you, if you got a half a congregation, you'd make pretty good money. I mean, it's, it's a business. It, it's, it's a way to make money. It's an easy type of life, you know. And, uh, you know, you work, you, you work hard one day a week, and then you go and, and you visit some people in the hospital. You go by and visit somebody. You eat their fried chicken or whatever, and you get a free meal or whatever. All kinds of people want to get into the ministry. It doesn't mean that they're converted. A lot of them are carnal through and through. So you got this natural carnal mind, and this man goes to seminary school. And he's going to teach you about the law of God. Now, his own carnal mind resents and rejects the law of God. He is not subject to the law of God, as your Bible says. All right, what does that equal? What does that equal? When a person who is not subject to the law of God, he goes to seminary school, what's he going to teach you about the law of God? Well, let me tell you what he's going to teach you. Here it is. He's going to say, just believe. Just give your heart to the Lord. Jesus plus nothing. Jesus fulfilled the law. The law has been nailed to the cross. You're not under the law. The law's been abolished. What must you do to be saved? Nothing. Grace plus nothing. Yeah, that's what, that's what the carnal mind is going to tell you. Okay. And they're only telling what they know their congregation wants to hear. Okay? They know that. They're only telling their people what they know they want to hear. There's nothing. Just, just, not, just enter. Just raise your head. I believe in Jesus. Yeah. I accept Jesus into my heart. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. Now, if you accept, accept Jesus into your heart, raise your, raise your hand. Oh, thank you, brother. Bless your brother. Praise you, Jesus, brother, for that. Oh, we got another soul saved. Yeah, right. I bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we like it that way. We like, you know, there's nothing, nothing to do. You know, it's like a dead fish floating downstream. You know, any dead carp can float down, belly up, downstream. Okay. Next time. So the first, first, the, the, the di first dynamics to apostasy, abandon, the abandonment of our allegiance and duty to God, is rebellion. We're set up for it because we're born that way with the carnal mind. Next time, We'll talk about the subject of confusion to the dynamics of apostasy. Okay, three dynamics to apostasy. The abandonment of our allegiance or duty to God.
How does it happen? We talked about rebellion, the carnal mind that we're all born with. We're set up good for that type of rebellion, to rebel against the law of God, because we're not subject to it. That's the natural way we come into the world. Okay, the second one is confusion. You know, I am convinced when it comes to religion, people love to be confused. They love it. You know, a lot of people, you know, they go to a church where the minister uh, speaks Latin and it's all smoke and mirrors and candle wax and candles lit and, and, and you know, it's just, you, you, you know, I, I believe the actual tongues movement illustrates this. That people can sit in a church and hear a bunch of gibberish and no one understands a single word. Everybody's confused, you know. What did he say? I can't understand that. Oh, he's speaking in tongues. Isn't it spiritual? And people sit there in their gullibility and they listen to it and they say, yeah, yeah that, that, that's spiritual. That's good. You know, I don't want to understand it, but it's good. We love our confusion. We love to be confused when it comes to religion. And this makes up the second part of the dynamics to apostasy, the fact that we love confusion. We're born with a carnal mind and then we love to be confused when it comes to religion. Now, do you know why we love to be confused when it comes to religion? Well, if I don't know, well, then I don't know. I'm not held accountable if I don't know. I'm confused. I'm a dumb, I can't say that. Okay, uh, uh, you know, I'm living in ignorance. All right, I can't, I'm, uh, confusion. Now, let me illustrate something for you. This is the, I want to read to you just to illustrate this kind of confusion. Because this real, I can't think of a more beautiful example of confusion than this. This is a part of the Athanasian Creed. It says this, it says, Whosoever will be saved, before all things it is necessary that he hold the Catholic faith. Well, that's sort of a biased opinion there. You've got to hold the Catholic faith to be saved. Okay. Which faith, except everyone do keep whole and undefiled, without doubt he shall perish everlasting. Everlasting, that's a long time. And the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity, and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the person nor dividing the substance. Neither confounding the, sub, the person nor dividing the substance. Okay. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, another of the Holy Spirit, but the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit is all one. The glory equal and the majestic co-eternal Majesty, excuse me, the majesty co-eternal, such as the Father is, such as the Son is, such as the Holy Spirit is, the Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Spirit uncreated, the Father incomprehensible, the Son incomprehensible, and the Holy Spirit incomprehensible. Do you know what that means, in incomprehensible? It means you can't understand it. Okay. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, and the Holy Spirit eternal, and yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal, and also there are not three uncreated, nor three incomprehensibles, but one uncreated and one in uncomprehensible. So likewise, the the Father is Almighty, the Son is Almighty, and the Holy Spirit is Almighty, and yet there are not three Almighties, but one Almighty. And it, I, I, it goes on and on and on like this. I mean, it just keeps on and on and on and on and on and on. You know, and your eyes start spinning around, and the pinball machine goes tilt, and you don't even, but it concludes by saying this. It says, He therefore that will be saved must thus think of the Trinity. Now, in order to be saved, I gotta, I gotta think this. First of all, I need to understand it. Did you understand it? I didn't. It would take me a lifetime to understand that. You know, we love to be confused. You know, that, that's part of the Athanasian Creed. Unless you believe that, you cannot be saved. Sure, boy. You know, I, I love, 
I, I love, let me pick this back up. I, I just threw that down on the floor here. Uh, I love Peter's response. Jesus asked Peter, you know, who do men say I am? Jesus looked at Peter. He said, Peter, who do you say I am? This is a poignant, blunt question. Who do you say I am? And Peter said, hold on, Lord. Let me get my creed out. He said, he said uh, for there is one person of, he said, now, now first of all, I don't want to confound the person nor divide the substance, but there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, another of the Holy Spirit, but the Godhead of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is all one, the, the, uh, and such as the Father is, and such as the, uh, the Spirit is, and the Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, and the Holy Spirit uncreated, the Father incomprehensible, the Son incomprehensible, and the Holy Spirit incomprehensible. That's who you are, Lord. No, Peter didn't say that. Jesus asked him, who do you say I am? And I love oh, Peter's response. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now that's real religion right there, boy. I tell you, it is. That's simplicity. You know, you can know God. You'll never know God by studying the Athanasian Creed. I can guarantee you that. But, you know, we love to be confused. Okay, next time I'm going to talk about the third dynamics of apostasy, the abandonment of our allegiance and duty to God, and that is pretense. Pretense. One of the hardest areas to admit that we've been lied to is the Bible. Yet the truth is, you have been lied to about the Bible. Just think about some of the assumptions that are out there about religion. Now, here are just a few Jesus abolished the law. Jesus went to church on Sunday. Jesus celebrated Christmas. Jesus celebrated Easter. Man has an immortal soul. Lost people go to hell and burn forever. Saved people go to heaven. Today is the only day of salvation. These are all areas that we assume to be absolute truth, yet they're not absolute truth. All of these statements are lies. We've built our faith on assumptions. Now, the real question is this. Did Jesus build his church on a foundation of lies? And if the answer to that question is no, then somebody has to be wrong. Order your free copy of You've Been Lied To About the Bible. Order by writing to Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org.